0: If you have a, a Bible with you, could I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it's page uh, 1158 in the, the Red Pew Bibles. But before we read God's Word, can I ask you a question? How are you? Honestly, how are you? How have you, uh, have you come to church this morning? Where's your head and your heart at today. Do you know As I stand here each week or, or most weeks, I'm constantly aware and struck by the fact that I don't speak into a vacuum. But that I speak to a congregation and a group of people. People who have come from various places. People who are in different places. There are people here this morning and you're in a good place. And life is okay at lots of levels, and it's been relatively easy. In fact, it's been a joy to sing and to praise and to pray and to listen, whereas for others, it's been difficult. And life is tough at the moment, and you're distracted, and it's actually quite hard to be here. Things have happened or are happening in your life that are painful, they're worrying. There are distressing circumstances and events that threaten to overwhelm and consume you. And today I'm even more conscious of that than usual. For a couple of reasons. One, because of our subject this morning as part of our One Another series. And secondly, because I know a little of some of your stories. I know what some of you are dealing with and going through. And therefore, right up front, I recognise that what I'm about to share may stir up certain emotions and may touch a few raw nerves. But I hope and I pray that what I say today will be helpful and that I will be sensitive to your situation. And so before... We get into this, I want to, and I need to pray. So let's do that. Father, you know how I'm feeling right now. And you know where each person is at this morning. And so as we turn to your word, may we detect your voice speaking into our lives, ministering to our hearts and minds, deepening our understanding, expanding our vision and providing hope for the moment and for the days ahead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As a church, we have been looking at what it means to love one another. And we have been doing that by taking time to consider these one another's that are scattered right throughout the New Testament. Here, if you like, is what it looks like. Here's what it means in practice to love those who are around you this morning. You forgive them. You confess your sins to them. You pray for them. You serve them. And as we embrace these, God's word teaches us that we actually show to a watching world that we belong to Jesus. Whenever we live like this, we prove that we are his disciples. And last week, we we thought about the importance of encouraging one another and building each other up. And I know some of you picked up on the challenge to take 10 minutes and to write a letter and a note of encouragement to someone else. And I'd love to hear a wee bit of feedback uh, after the service, either as someone who gave encouragement, or I know some of you actually have spoke to me this week because you received an encouraging letter from someone here. So thank you to those who kind of picked up on that. But this morning, the one another that we're going to look at and consider, it's closely linked to encouragement. In fact, it's part of it. It's included in what it means to encourage, but it goes further. It goes deeper. It has a broader application and here it is. Comfort one another. Now, although that particular phrase doesn't appear in what we're about to read from second corinthians chapter one the idea is clearly there and i'm just going to read two verses this morning just verses three and four so you can stay seated for the public reading of god's word rather than stand as we usually do and these these words may be familiar to anyone who was here on sunday evening the 7th of october during our dying to serve series but here is god's word Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Let me read that again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Loss and grief are common life experiences. No one here is immune to them. We've all faced them, or are facing them, or will face them. I know it's true that for some people they seem to have to deal with these realities far more than others, but loss and grief and the need to comfort is and will be part of all of our lives in a fallen, broken, dysfunctional world. Now I know that the word loss didn't appear in what we just read, but trouble did. Or if you have an ESV or an RSV translation, the word is affliction. Comfort those who are in any affliction. And in the New Testament, it's this one word that describes the experience of loss. This one word describes the circumstances that hem you in, that threaten to squeeze the life clean out of you there's some here this morning and you feel hemmed in and something has happened that's squeezing the life clean out of you and whenever we talk about loss and about the pain and the grief that accompanies us most of us immediately think of death and that's perfectly understandable because death is perhaps the most catastrophic loss that we can ever face And whether it is the death of an elderly relative or friend that was partly expected or it's the unexpected and totally shocking death of a loved one, the sense of loss and grief is real and it's raw and it affects you to the core of your being. Everything changes. And so as we talk about comforting one another, I realise that most of us will have this issue in mind, but let's also recognise that grief and loss can be and are triggered via other life experiences. And I'm almost reluctant to identify some of these because, again, I have no doubt that there will be people here for whom this is their story. Grief that has been caused by the loss of a significant relationship. A marriage breakdown, for example. Grief that has been caused by the desire to be in a particular relationship, and yet that relationship somehow seems elusive. Grief caused by the loss of a dream regarding family and career. Grief caused by a church split. And the painful fallout that accompanies that. Grief caused by the loss of close family and friends who move away and they leave this real hole and gap in your lives and so the list goes on. There are many faces of loss and grief. And grief to a large extent is a solitary journey. No two people go through it the same way. Yet, however unusual the grief, the comfort that grieving people desire is relatively similar. And we, as a community, and as a local church, have this unique opportunity and, I would say, responsibility. God-given responsibility to comfort one another. But as we look at this together and I know there are many issues to bear in mind and wisdom and sensitivity are crucial but as we think about this this morning I want to start by encouraging us every single one of us to see God afresh this morning To see God afresh in our grief and in our loss and in our trouble and in our affliction. I want to remind us of who God is. What's true about his character. What is true about what God does. Because you see if you can grasp that. If you can somehow know who God is. Then it will have a profound and far-reaching effect on your tendency. Or your ability to actually draw alongside someone other. And put an arm around their shoulder and comfort them. Starts with a seeing God afresh. So back to 2 Corinthians 1. Because after an initial greeting, which we didn't read, verses 1 and 2, Paul then begins this letter with an expression of high praise. And here, Paul clarifies who God is. Here, Paul sort of highlights certain aspects of God's character, aspects that need to be remembered, that he says, listen, you've got to celebrate these things. Even though it's hard And what Paul declares and what he affirms is this, God is the father of compassion. And Gordon brought this out in his prayer this morning. God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And if you hear nothing else and if you take nothing else away with you from this morning, could I encourage you just to take that verse, take those two truths with you into your life and into your situation this week. And Paul is about to speak about suffering and trouble. Now, we're not going to deal with the specifics that he addresses in subsequent verses. But as he talks about the reality of trouble and loss and affliction, he wants to stress, he wants to sing, he wants to scream at the top of his lungs, listen, you're not left by yourself to confront this. You don't have to handle this alone. This thing that's ripping your heart apart. You don't have to handle it on your own. Why? Because God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. God is there with us. He's there for us in the midst of mess. He's not removed from, he's not oblivious to what we're going through. His heart breaks along with your heart this morning. God cares about our circumstances and pain. Now compassion is not about feeling sorry for from a distance. It's about active engagement. The good Samaritan had compassion we read in the Gospels. He had compassion on the guy who was left for dead by the side of the Jericho Road and it caused him to do what? To draw alongside, to roll up his sleeves and to get involved. God is the father of compassion. In other words, he comes alongside and he cares doesn't just feel sorry for you. As one of the psalm writers would affirm, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he rescues those who are in distress. And many here have proved that. And many here are proving that right now through gritted teeth. That even though they find themselves in difficult places, in dark valleys, going through painful experiences, God has been, God is there, God is near, God is close. Somehow strengthening, somehow sustaining, somehow, and only God knows how, comforting. As we think about God comforting us, I want to turn to what has been described as the most popular valued poem in all literature. Psalm 23. And I want to turn to that line. You don't need to look it up. I want to turn to that line that reminds us that even though we walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, that God is with us and his rod and staff comfort us what does that mean so well known what does it mean nice words and I know you could spend the whole sermon thinking about how a shepherd uses those two items to strengthen and empower to discipline and correct to protect and guide his sheep but one perspective One very popular and helpful perspective on these two items is to see that the spiritual parallel to the rod is God's word. And the spiritual parallel to the staff is the Holy Spirit. These things strengthen and empower. They discipline, they correct, they protect and they guide. It's via these things. It's through these things. It's by these things that God comforts us it's into our loss and our grief our trouble and our suffering that God's word speaks and brings words of hope that's why we believe in the importance of sharing God's word with those who are going through dark valleys It's the Holy Spirit, the divine comforter as well who's been sent to us, who lives within us as promised by Jesus in order to comfort and guide. And so as we think about the God of all comfort, let's recognize that there is incredible value in reading and engaging with his word, listening to it, meditating on it. That is where we often receive comfort from God. This is what it means. So when we say God comforts us, That's one of the key ways he does. And let's also remember that the divine comforter is with us. But back to our text. Because here in in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul praises the God and Father of compassion. The God of all comfort who is, and I'm simply reading on, who comforts us in all our troubles. That's what the next phrase is saying, and I know it goes without saying, and you don't need me to tell you this, but let me say it anyway. There is no guarantee, there is no blanket promise in Scripture that the God of compassion or the Father of all comfort will always deliver and save us from trouble. No guarantee, no sense of that anywhere in Scripture. It doesn't say God will keep us immune from trouble doesn't say God will keep us free from trouble as some prosperity and health and wealth type gospel nonsense seems to imply at times. Loss and grief, suffering and pain are inevitable in this life and in this world. But what we've got is this incredible promise that God comforts us in our trouble. In fact, it goes further. God comforts us in all our troubles. Or again, as one of the psalm writers would say, God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in, not from, in trouble. And so whatever is causing your heart to break this morning, whatever loss you're having to face, God's there. God's here. Here. Comforting. I know some of you might be thinking, hang on a minute, David, our theme for this morning as part of this series is about comforting one another. So why have we spent so much time dealing with God comforting us? Well, let me reread verse three, the first part part of verse four, and then read on. Praise be to the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Here's the bit. So that... We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You see, you and I are conduits of comfort. We receive it from God, who is our source, and then we let it flow through us to others, to each other, to one another. God's amazing, necessary, and life restoring comfort is not simply for private and personal consumption. We've got to pass it on, we've got to pay it forward. I showed you this quote before, God does not comfort us to make us comfortable, but to make us comforters. And therefore, in addition to experiencing God's comfort via his word and his spirit, his rod and his staff, we also discover that God's comfort can be and often is given and received, how? Through one another. Through the people around you this morning. That as we sit together, as we sit with those who are suffering, as we listen, as we put an arm around, as we visit, as we invest time, as we send that text or that email or that card, as we pray for, we are tangibly demonstrating, we're fleshing out the comfort of God to others. That is how it works. That is how God has chosen to work so often his word his spirit through one another let me get you to do something for a moment don't worry I'm not going to ask you to speak to anyone I'm not going to ask you to move I just want to create an opportunity for personal reflection I'd like you to think of a time either ages ago recently Or right now, whenever God used someone who had gone through suffering and sorrow to draw alongside you and minister to you when you were facing a similar situation. And let me encourage you to take a moment and thank God for them. Thank God for someone who was a conduit of comfort. a further question what trouble are you facing right now and how may God use you to bring comfort and encouragement to someone who's going to face similar pain in the future comfort one another Paul writes here comfort others with the comfort you have received from God. But what makes a good comforter? Well, let me share, as I close, three characteristics of good comforters. and I've taken these from this book, which I've used quite a bit during this series. We've only one week left. If anybody kind of wants to follow up to this series and read something, there's a recommendation. But on this issue, Gerald Sitster speaks out of a place of having lost a wife and a daughter in a tragic car accident involving a drunk driver. And here's how he identifies good comforters. To start with, they make room for for people whose lives are broken. Do you know, sometimes it can be so tempting to sidestep grieving, hurting, troubled people We maybe don't know what to say. We don't know how to respond or we're worried about how they might react if we say anything to them. But you know something? Good comforters don't avoid broken people. They make room for them. Secondly, good comforters allow people to grieve. However long, however bitter the process. You know, comforting is not about getting someone through this or over this as quickly as possible. It's about giving them space. It's about giving them time and permission to walk slowly through this experience in Valley. I love these words. I see Stephen here this morning. I love these words from Andy Rean, taken from Celtic Daily Prayer. Do not hurry as you walk with grief. It does not help the journey. Walk slowly, pausing often. Do not hurry as you walk with grief. Be gentle with the one who walks with grief. If it is you, be gentle with yourself. Swiftly forgive. Walk slowly, pausing often. Take time. Be gentle as you walk with grief. Good comforters encourage this. Another dimension of this is that it's sometimes those who are hurting find themselves inundated with people and conversations and invitations. And those have their place, of course they do, especially in the initial aftermath. But it's also critical that we give people clearance, few words, little advice and no pressure. As one person has helpfully written, those in grief welcome a visit if it comes without too many words. Those in grief welcome a conversation if it comes without too much advice. And those in grief welcome an invitation if it comes without too much pressure to accept. Good comforters allow people space and time to process their loss. And the third characteristic is that good comforters offer hope. Hope for the future. Do you know life as I've said, changes whenever we experience loss. But it doesn't end. Certain dreams may die. Aspects of the story you imagined may be over. We will have often think about, well, what might have been if the loss hadn't occurred? And that's only natural. But life goes on. And those who suffer loss in whatever form face the challenge of deciding, now I've got to live in a new story. I've Got to adjust plans and expectations and head out into what often feels like the unknown. And that can be hard. And therefore, good comforters offer hope for tomorrow. There is tomorrow. The next day. And ultimately that means pointing people to God. Our God. The God. Who gives hope. Plus it it means reminding people of the greatest hope of all. The hope of the resurrection. You see what sets the Christian community apart. Or what should set us apart. Is not the absence of suffering. It's the reality of hope in it. The hope. We have in mess. The Easter story tells us that life has defeated death. The grave could not contain Jesus. He rose to a life that would never end. And this is, it's got to be our future hope. And therefore Paul tells us in another place, listen, comfort one another with this reality. Jesus died, Jesus rose again. Someday, one day, we who are still alive, we who have died in Christ, we will go to be with him forever in a brand new future so Paul says comfort each other with these words good comforters make room for broken people, they allow people to grieve, they offer hope as I finish let me go back to our critical starting point God's our source and therefore whatever affliction you're dealing with you're facing, and you're going through at the moment, my hope and prayer is that you will discover God in your loss and in your grief. The God who is near the brokenhearted. The God who is an ever-present help in trouble. The God who is the shepherd, whose rod and staff, whose words and spirit comforts us. And then in light of that discovery, in light of who God is and what God does, may we become these conduits of comfort so that we can comfort one another with the comfort that we ourselves have received. May we let it flow through us to one another. Let's pray. God, I ask that your voice would go on speaking and that we would take these moments to rest, to be, and to find refuge in you. In Jesus' name.